you're going to be going through a process. And if you're not getting new information and new data that is either confirming or presenting information, you'll end up with some variation of what you want, but it should be far better and exceed every expectation you have. CEOs often feel stuck in the grind of scaling their business and feel like they're missing out on the best parts of life, like family, friends, or travel. On this podcast, CEOs come to take themselves and their companies to the next level. Let's dive into the Millionaire Mind with your host, Dallin Schultz. Hey, welcome back to another Millionaire Mind episode where I have some of the most successful business owners sharing what motivates them to get out of bed every morning and how they elevate themselves and their companies to the next level. And I've got another great guest joining us today. Look, not all successful business owners decided to jump into business right out of high school or right away. Many went to college, got an education, obtained a good job, but it just didn't turn out the way that they thought it would. They then decided to do some soul searching, realized that there's opportunities all around them, and they decided to take a chance on themselves and jump into the world of business and entrepreneurship. And speaking from personal experience, one of the most difficult things to do as a new entrepreneur is to leave the comfort of a W-2. The life of entrepreneur throws a lot of curveballs. There's a lot of unknown, but also more unrealized potential that I believe most are unaware of when they start their journey. And today, you're going to hear from a full-time teacher turned real estate investor and get a glimpse into her mind and the things that she had to experience to get her to where she is today. So super excited for our guest today and a special welcome to Julie Holly. Julie, appreciate you joining us today. Dallin, it's a joy. I've been looking forward to this since we met at the Real Estate Wealth Builders event. That was just absolutely phenomenal and so many great conversations. I know this is going to be another great conversation. I'm definitely looking forward to it. And to give our listeners some background, as Julie mentioned, we met, it was just a few weeks ago and we had some incredible conversations and we knew right away, it's like, hey, Julie, we got to get you on the podcast. There's a lot of people that need to hear your story and get into your mindset here how you overcome some of these challenges and gotten to where you are today. So glad we were able to make it happen so quickly. That's magical. In the podcast space, that doesn't usually happen. So I am grateful as well. Excellent. Well, Julie, why don't you take a few minutes and just share with our listener who you are and where you're at today? Let's start there. Yeah. Where I'm at today is one of the most exciting places to be. It's where I don't work a day in my life. Although people would say, but you have a company and you are working and I'm like, I swim in my zone of genius and I am content and happy with the tasks that I'm doing because they are so purpose-filled and forward-driven that it's exciting. It's fun. And what is it? What do you do, Julie? Well, I am a full-time real estate investor with a purpose and heart for providing quality residences for humans, right? So we focus specifically on the multifamily sector as well as assisted living. And we avoid shiny object syndrome, which took years, that's a whole conversation, to say self-storage is great, light industrial is great, office space has its place, all of these other mobile home park, we could go on. There are lots of great ways to invest in, in large multi-million dollar pieces of real estate. And as we really zeroed in, because this is critical for anyone to be successful, you really have to niche down and refine and distill what is in me, what is driving me towards this? Why am I going to leave this setting to go into this next setting and go through the rigor, the gauntlet of being an entrepreneur? And in that process, it was like, well, we believe like very 
fully like God prepared us to serve humans. Like that's the heart of the company. Three keys investments is how do we support people? Because we believe fully that when we have people that have quality homes to live in, where they feel safe, secured, protected, and all of that, well, then now they're going to show up better to their families, to their community. And so providing amazing returns to investors and impacting the world by helping humans live the best life ever. It makes me happy. It gets me up every single day out of bed. I can't, very rarely am I entering a day with like any level of trepidation. It's usually like, I'm alive, which is a 10. God loves me. That's a 10. And I get to like go and serve the world. Pretty exciting. Incredible what you're doing and the amount of impact that you're having, not just on those people that you're providing homes for, but you help out a lot of people get into this journey as well and help people with that transition. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit. But you brought up something that I feel like is one of the most frequently asked questions for new people looking to get into real estate. And even though we're not a real estate podcast, we have a lot of real estate investors come on. So I don't know. It seems like there's some commonality there. So if you're listening, maybe take note to that. But one of the most frequent questions is, what asset class should I focus on? Where should I spend my time and energy? And everybody will tell you something differently. You're going to find people very, very successful in every asset class out there. So then that makes it challenging because you're like, okay, well, where should I go? Where do I spend my time? And that's where you have to look inward. You have to find that vehicle, that asset class that just makes sense to you. And when you do, it's going to click, it's going to feel right, and you're going to be energized. And you're going to be able to wake up every morning excited to go to work, just like Julie shared with us. So it takes time. Be patient with yourself, but do some searching. Connect with people and put time into it, and you'll find what makes sense to you. So Julie, you're doing incredible things today. This is not probably where you thought you'd be 10, 15 years ago. Let's take it back. When did this journey really start for Julie? Well, we all need to be looking and reflecting. Everything that we've done ever in our life shapes and refines us into who we are today. And that prepares us for the opportunities. And I'm going to just say, unfortunately, many people dismiss the opportunities that are presented to them. The door is open and they unfortunately discredit themselves and choose to not cross the threshold. I happen to just be of this mindset of follow curiosity, cross the threshold, see where it lands, see where it goes. So when I started, I am third generation in real estate, but I am the first generation in commercial real estate. And following both my parents' career paths between real estate and education, I was an overachiever. I was actually in a business program in college, and I just felt divinely inspired. It was a very crazy moment. It was very clear to me. I mean, I was going to start my own clothing company. I was interning at a very substantial, very reputable company in my small town, like suburbs of California. I mean, I had everything going, stacking in the right direction. And then I just had this moment where it's like, I'm driving home for lunch. And it just became clear to me, like, I'm supposed to become a teacher. Not something, I mean, I thought about that before. I drop all my business classes. I go into education, graduate a program early and start teaching at the tender age of 22. And through that process, they started handing out pink slips. And I'm three years in, I'm getting ready to have tenure and all of that great stuff. And I'm thinking, wait a second, hold the phone. I thought that this is a government job and I was safe and I was secure. I could have a pension. 
I do have a propensity to want to impact the world in a positive way. So I'm like, I'm doing that with the kids and I'm going to have a retirement. This is going to be great. Having that really come to full fruition of like, oh, wait, government jobs aren't stable. And actually fast forwarding now, oh, California Teacher Retirement Association, you're billions of dollars in the red. There's some reality checks that people need to be doing. So I had these reality checks and I'm like, I always wanted to be in real estate like dad and gramps. So I venture down that path. So it's really interesting when you see if you're willing to take the risks and it was a risk. I realized this safe and secure job, what I thought was safe and secure, that was just a construct of my mind. And the only safety and security I have is whatever I choose to create. Now, I've gone back into education in different capacities. I've homeschooled. I've done a lot of things in the between. I've had single family homes that I've managed from thousands of miles. So I've had this experience. And ultimately, what brought my family to where we are now is, hey, this money is sitting in the bank account because we sold off, we exited single family because kind of like teaching with the public school system where it felt safe and secure. Well, a lot of times as single family owners, like that's the asset that we are renting out. We feel like, oh, I'm in control. It's a hundred percent mine and it's all mine, a little bit like Gollum. And it feels this, it's a false sense of security. And you realize I had this awakening where it's like, wait a second. Yeah, we have reserves. Yes, we've always had great tenants. Yes, they've always taken care of the property. But what if there's this major thing that happens? What if we have to put a new HVAC in? What if the sewer line on that one goes out? All of those things started putting that reality check like I had in my early 20s as a teacher. It's like, okay, this is a false sense of security here. And I need to, you know, we decided to pivot out of that as the money's sitting there, I, I told my husband, I can't, I can't let that money just sit there. We got to put it to work. And that's in my pursuit. I discovered multifamily and syndication specifically. I'm like, okay, everything that I've ever done in all of my life has prepared me for this. I love people. I can make an impact. I can support investors. I can support residents. I can benefit my family. And right, good business is when everybody's winning. Not just I win. It's not a zero sum game in life. It's all about how do we create the winning situation for everyone? That's how I ended up here. I will say I had no intentions of starting a company. That's what always baffles my mind. I have something on my wall. It's like my brainchild that I mapped out. And this is not that long ago. This is maybe four months ago. I actually like mapped out, well, I've got the podcast and I've got my coaching. I've got everything feeds into the same ecosystem. And that was the first time I actually stepped back and said, I have a company, like a legit big time company, which is very different than a lot of people set out and they will have their KPIs and they're going to be tracking and they're going to be like, this is what I'm doing. And this is how I'm doing it. I mean, I've been on track and I have, you know, I do have KPIs and everything, but I really didn't understand the magnitude of what I was building. So there's a lot here we can unpack. And thank you for giving that incredible just summary of your journey. I want to go back to this experience you had where you felt very strongly that you needed to get into teaching. Even at that point, you weren't anticipating that. That was just something that you felt strongly that you needed to do. What do you think it was that drove that? And looking back, what did you learn from that experience that you're now applying today? Oh my goodness. 
I might get teary eyed because I haven't really reflected on that specific moment for a long time. For me, my faith is the anchor of my life. And I always say I like to be vertically aligned. And so, and I've been that way since I was a child. It was never forced on me. It was just something that desire I've always just innately have. Like we all have gifts. I just have this gift of faith and belief in God and it's beautiful. And so as I was driving home for lunch one day, I was passing by a high school. I'm at the stoplight. I'm just sitting there. And I was actually just praying and I was being grateful. I was like, you know, I'm excited. This is exciting. And I just had this overwhelming sense of like, I need you. I want you to become an educator. And for me, life is even then a sequence of like surrender and acceptance. And so it's like, huh, well, that's not what I was thinking. But I mean, it's not that I've never thought about that, but okay. And it was clear in my mind. I won't say it was a clear voice that actually like spoke out of heaven or anything like that, but it really had that same type of impact on my life. And so I think my entire life has been a sequence of just always saying like, hey, am I where God wants me to be in life? And I really believe that we thrive. A lot of times we want to stay stagnant. We want to create this comfort around us. Again, false sense of security of like, okay, this is all going to be safe and secure. And it's like, yeah, but is that really where you're going to have the most impact? Is that really where you are going to be the most fulfilled? And so I've always been willing to risk that in order to say, all right, vertically aligned. It's worked out well for people in the Bible. Well, maybe could argue not so well. We won't go into that. (laughs) But, (laughs) but, But all that to say, you know, that's led to a very adventurous life and it's always been rewarding and it's allowed me to be very adaptable and flexible to the opportunities that come my way because I don't feel ever that I have to be stuck or stagnant in any situation. It's always like, okay, I'm here. You bloom where you're planted. You do everything you can with what you've been gifted with and learn as much, support as much. And you never know how long that is. And that is all of life. We never know what tomorrow is going to bring. Nobody knew there was going to be a pandemic or nobody knew there was going to be a great recession or a dot-com. I mean, we have these ideas of these things could happen. We don't predict them and our lives can change in a heartbeat. And so it's a matter of saying like, in this moment, am I living on purpose? So I like to live what I call a 98% on purpose life. I think... I'm just not going to lie and say I'm going to go 100%. So I'm like, there's a 2% margin of error at least. <laughs> <laughs> That's still a pretty good margin of error if you ask me. So Julie, what was it that going through this experience, and thank you for sharing that because it's oftentimes when I've connected with successful business owners and they've made big decisions like changing careers, like exiting a W-2, like starting a teaching job. Logically, it doesn't always make sense, but there's an emotion, there's a feeling that they can't kick that just keeps pushing them in that direction. So for somebody that's listening that might be in this fork in the road or this pivot or trying to figure out what's next through the experiences you've had, what advice could you give someone like that? Oh, wow. We have intuition for a reason. And it is so important in the process of teaching, actually literally teaching my daughter how to listen to her intuition. I think women specifically, they have it, but it's dismissed a lot of time. I've noticed this so often in coaching women. And so I think it's really important to start vetting your intuition 
And you can do that by going back to your past experiences and say, did I follow the intuition in that moment? Because we can all kind of say, hey, here are some hallmark moments where I felt intuition, right? And so we can vet our intuition based upon our past experiences to inform our future decisions. So I would definitely say, go back, look at your track record. And that experience creates a body of evidence that will likely give you the confidence to move forward that your decision-making process. I'd also encourage people to hire a coach of some sort because that provides so much clarity for you. And that clarity leads to confidence. But really at the end of the day, I've had the unfortunate sudden loss of my father. And that really was a pivotal. I talk about it all the time because it's still to this day, like such a pivotal moment of how fragile life really is. And we can think it's all perfect and easy. And so if you look back on your life, are you going to be mad at yourself because you tried? Or are you going to be looking back and saying, oh man, why didn't I just go for it? What was I really nervous about? And really it has to do with our inner critic is usually what's coming out. All of these things internally, these stories in there are speaking to ourselves in our brains and we're a product of our thinking. And so, you know, just put the thinking in check and say, what am I really concerned about? Is this more my ego or is this more about this isn't a reasonable choice to make at this time for these calculated specific reasons? At the end of the day, it's probably you. I'll give a book recommendation. It's a fable. Somebody recommended that at Rubecom. I think Tom recommended that. And I'm trying to, I'll send you a link or the full thing because it's a fantastic book. It's called Getting Naked by Patrick. And I would just highly recommend that if you're on the fence at the end, just the whole narrative really helps guide you in this capacity of what's that inner critic? What's that voice speaking to you? What would you say to that person that gets caught in this analysis paralysis? I'm a very intuitive decision maker as well. And I still strategize. I still consider the data. I still look at the information that's being presented. But at the end of the day, a decision is either going to feel right or it's going to feel wrong. And that's how I personally move. Now, I know other people are much more data-driven, much more logical, but I have to find that they get caught and wrapped up in this analysis paralysis. So what advice could you give to somebody that's experiencing that? That's a really interesting scenario. I happen to be, most of us have opposites as our life partners. My husband is that person that really likes to see how is this going to play out. But the reality is that going back to great recessions, pandemics, things like that, like all of your numbers are going to be nothing because you don't know what tomorrow brings. So you have to say, here are the numbers, but what is my intuition on this? I had like another thought on this and it's just like seriously just vaporized, <laughs> which is really wild. But I just think it's really important that we put the numbers in perspective. Like we're going to internalize those numbers through our own thinking and through our framework on life, through our perspective, through our optimism and our skepticism. All of those numbers are going to be framed through whatever our thinking is. And so really we have to be aware of what we're thinking. And although we'd like to say that, I'm logical and I'm reasonable and I look at the numbers and they drive me. Well, two scientists can look at the same body of evidence and have two different outcomes because of their thinking is different. And so it's really important to even get into what am I thinking? Why am I thinking this way about these numbers? But at the end of the day, 
I say this to my husband on a regular basis. I give this reminder in a nice way. It's not a naggy way, I promise, because there's no point in nagging anybody or bossing anybody around. You don't know what's up the street around the corner and to the left until you take the first step. And you're never going to get there if you stay right there. So you can decide to trip your way forward, you know, like just take the steps, trip your way forward if you need to, because you're not going to know what decision you actually need to make until you get to the first corner and you can look left, right, see ahead a little bit further. And at that point, you can make a decision and you can say, wow, you know what? New information, new perspective. I can make a different decision based on the new information that I have. And I think that is one of the traps that people find themselves in when they are data driven is that it's like, oh, I can make all this information. I can make all these decisions based off this right here. Well, you're going to be going through a process. And if you're not getting new information and new data that is either confirming or presenting information that's going to skew your assumptions, then you're not going through the process the correct way. What you want from the very beginning is not what you are going to end up with. You'll end up with some variation of what you want, but it should be far better and exceed every expectation you had. Expect the unexpected. Life, business, it's going to throw curveballs at you. And if you sit there and you're trying to formulate this perfect plan, I promise you, it's going to turn out differently. Now, there's people that are a little bit more comfortable with that unknown. And I would say that you and I, Julie, fall into this category. We're more comfortable not having all the facts, knowing that it's likely going to change anyways, but we know enough to know, hey, we've made a calculated decision to go this far. And then once we get there, we'll take a step back, we'll reevaluate, and we'll pivot. That comes to us naturally. There might be some listeners to the show that doesn't come to them naturally. And listen, if you're listening and that's you, if you feel like you're one of those people that gets caught up in this analysis paralysis, the most simplest fix that I can recommend for my experience is partner with someone like myself, like Julie. Because here's the deal, like I'll go in guns blazing, right? And figure it out, right? And I'm comfortable with that. I'll take the information I have, make a decision and get after it. My business partner is much more calculated. And so it actually works very, very well. I need him just as much as he needs me because he's not the one to just go in guns blazing. He's not one to jump out of the airplane and build a parachute on the way down. He's going to build a parachute in the airplane, check it three or four or five times, make sure everything's ready to go. And then he's going to jump. Now I help him make decisions, but he helps rein me in. So I'm not doing something. Maybe there's something I overthought. Maybe there's something I didn't consider because I was just so excited to get started. So having that partner on your team helps out tremendously. So if you are one of these people that's caught up in that analysis paralysis, start looking for a partner. Look for someone that might be a little bit more open to taking a step and figuring it out and recognizing that there's probably opportunities you missed out on because you're overanalyzing. I love every bit of that, Dallin. And I will say that If you're like Dallin and I, listener, then you want to be actually thinking about who's my anchor person. So I would say that my husband holds me by the ankles because otherwise I would float away in all of the everything. And it's an exaggeration, but I'm grateful. Full disclosure, it took a long time for me to get to the point where I'm actually truly grateful for his tough questions that he asked me. He really helped me grow substantially in being able to look at something and evaluate it 
in a more meaningful way, or maybe it's not more meaningful, but it's an important way to start approaching things. And so now we're starting to get this balance going on, which is fantastic. But we need each other. That partnership goes both ways and a partnership built on two people that are going to overanalyze or two people that are overly optimistic. We got to get to that informed optimism for both parties. Hey guys, my name is Nate Hare. I'm the executive director at Directed IRA. Directed IRA is a company that exists to provide a solution for people that want to invest their retirement accounts, be it IRAs or old 401ks into things like real estate or things outside of the stock market. If you want to invest your IRA or old 401k into investments like real estate, apartments, syndications, or the great investments that Rev Equity has to provide, make sure that you reach out to us. You can find our information on investwithrev.com or our website, www.directedira.com. Open a self-directed IRA and invest in alternatives today. And this is why we struggle, Julie, in this situation when somebody like your husband, like my business partner, questions our decision because it's very intuitive. It's very emotionally based. And now we're trying to take a feeling, a thought that we feel really strongly about and putting it into words. And that's where I always struggled. And so it's forced me to say, okay, he's asking legitimate questions. How can I take my vision and where I see this going and effectively communicate it to him? And I needed that as a business owner. I need to be able to communicate my vision to. I need to be able to communicate it to the rest of my team, the investors, the partners, the people that choose to work with us, the vendors, anybody that comes in contact with my team and myself. I need to be able to effectively share with them the vision and where we're going. And so by slowing down and figuring out how to take that vision and effectively communicate it into words to where he's comfortable moving forward. It's forced me and allowed me to be able to do that to everyone else that's around us. And I didn't realize how important that was at that time. It's so powerful. I'm appreciating this so much. When we met and we had several conversations, this is one reason why I appreciate the conversations that we've had so much And listener, this is why you want to be going to events, why you want to be networking, because you make new friends, you meet new people. And it's like, oh my gosh, yes, it's very affirming and reassuring and so in line with my own metamorphosis that it's like, ah, it's not just me. And as you said, it's critical. It has made me so much stronger and double downing on what you said, like to be able to speak to our investors and communicate because 50% of the investors are very data-driven and need to see some reassurance that it's not just blue skies and, you know, uninformed optimism, but is really deeply anchored, conservative, very informed optimism taking place. Absolutely. Wow. Great stuff, Julie. I'm glad we spent a few minutes on that because I think that's so very important. Just recognizing where your strengths and weaknesses are as an entrepreneur and the type of people you might want to look to connect with. So having that self-awareness, it's got to start there. So Julie, share with us as you've been making these transitions out of the teaching space into real estate and you do some coaching as well, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you've been faced with? and experiencing this growth. If you want to do anything worthwhile in life, it will test you and you are success is forged. It's not just handed out like lollipops at the dentist office. Success is forged. And it's going to determine kind of like Paulo Coelho's book, Alchemist. You're going to have to choose to step away from the oasis out of your comfort zone and continue on the path at times. 
So, you know, largely, you know, you start out with that whole imposter syndrome. Who am I? I mean, sure, I have real estate experience, but most people are going to look back and say, you're a teacher. You're like, you just work with kids. How cute, you know? It's like, how do I gain this credibility? How do I step into this space where I'm working with multi-million dollars? You know, it's like on a regular basis, we're working with $15 million or more. The whole thing is how do you earn that trust? How do you position yourself? And so it's that hitting refresh on the identity, I think was one of the greatest learnings that I had throughout this entire process over the last, you know, four or five years. It's like, so a lot of times we want to put ourselves in the box. I'll speak for me, listener. I won't throw you in there, but maybe this will resonate with you. I'm to put myself in the boxes. Oh, I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a teacher. I'm a philanthropist. I'm involved in nonprofits and things like, okay, that's great. Let's hit refresh. Who are you now? And just constantly hitting refresh. For example, when I started my podcast, it had a different title to it. The format was different. Everything about it was different. That ability to hit refresh and once again, step into slightly imposter syndrome in this whole thing. Willingness to see the other facet of yourself has been one of the most challenging for me. But if we're going to have successful businesses, they can't be stagnant or static. They have to be dynamic. They have to be evolving and growing. That's the life of a business. And if you are the CEO of your business, or if you're in a high position of leadership within your business, then you yourself have to, must to hit that refresh and say, who am I now? Because who you were two quarters ago, sure better not be who you are now because you should have picked up some new information about yourself, about your team, about your viewpoints that is going to help guide and direct you moving forward. It's this constant turnaround. So one of the most uncomfortable things for me has been to allow myself to raise that level of self-awareness, to receive it, and then just get really super comfortable with this whole concept of everything is in constant flux. That's not a bad thing. And a lot of times we're conditioned, particularly, I will say, I'm going to just throw it out there. I'm a woman. Women are predisposed to wanting things that are stable, secure, and I can count on this. This is dependable. This is the way it's going to be day in, day out, right? And so just trusting that who I am, I am enough. And who I am showing up as every single day, that's exactly what the situation needs. And trusting that versus the external. So really learning to trust what is inside of me, what's inside of the people I'm partnering and collaborating with, looking at life from an inside out way, then it doesn't matter. All of the externals can be changing around, as I've mentioned, right? We can go through the pandemic, we can go through a crash, we can go through high interest rates, we can go through, you know, downsizings of companies. We're still going to come out ahead because we're living inside out. Those moving parts aren't going to shift who we are and we'll be able to adapt to anything. Imposter syndrome, I feel like, is one of the toughest challenges that anyone getting started in entrepreneurship and business, and maybe they've been in it for a few years and they're still experiencing this, especially if they came from a previous profession or a previous job. So for you, Julie, as you left the teaching industry to become a real estate investor, what were some things that you did to gain credibility with investors? So they didn't just see you as Julie, the teacher. They now saw you as Julie, the real estate investor. Some of it was superficial. And some of it was deeper. So quite frankly, I started, it's almost full transparency. It's rebranding yourself. So I started thinking, okay, well, if I don't want to be 
seen as a teacher, I'm actually going to need to dress in a different way. I'll never lose who I am, my kindness, all of that. Like who you are, again, the inside of you doesn't change, but it's like, okay, but I need to like, I need a people to know that there's something different, you know, not anything flamboyant or anything like that, but it's like, so just some, some light external. I actually did that like a year and a half in because into, you know, my journey, because I was like, people still view me as the teacher and they're still asking me if I'm going back to education. It's like, I'm a full-time real estate investor. I love kids, but you know, I'm serving adults now. (laughs) So I think one is like, sometimes just putting on some superficial externals can help ease us into things and help us put on a whole new persona. When there are times where in my twenties, went to real estate full-time in real estate sales, I dressed totally different than when I was in education before that. I would put on clothes that literally made me feel a certain way so that I would know, like I'm confident. It's like the Superman outfit, right? I mean, Superman all the time, but he shows up as Superman when he's like in his little outfit. So I'd say as superficial as that is, do some superficial things that build that confidence about you. And then the imposter syndrome from there, I just said, it's about failing forward. And I have to view myself in a different way. And so having affirmations that are reminding me that this is who I am. And just because I'm not acquainted with this version of myself, doesn't mean that that version of myself isn't within me. And I'm going to meet this person. And that's exciting. I'm just going to add the moment I don't have imposter syndrome, I'm done. Because I should always have some level of imposter syndrome going on in life because I should be leveling up. We should be moving up and it should have that little edge discomfort to it where it's like, is that really me? You know, did they just give write the check for $10 million? Wow. You know, like you should have things that make you really uncomfortable and challenge your current identity. Absolutely. And rebranding yourself, that's what I share with people all the time. I came from the medical field, probably about a year and a half. It was six months into that year and a half, I had a foot in the real estate world and a foot in the medical world. But people knew me in that medical profession. They didn't know me. They knew that I was doing some real estate stuff, but I ultimately got to a point where I realized I had to jump in with both feet because I could only get so far. I was going to conferences. I was telling people I was all in real estate, but then they find out I'm still working my medical field job. Like, Did I truly believe in myself if I was still hanging on to that old job and that old identity. And you're right. You have to rebrand yourself. Now, social media can be a great way to do that, but it takes time. And just to be clear, when Julie went through this rebranding, when I went through it, we weren't doing it because of people around us. We were doing it because it's who we knew we needed to be and who we wanted to be. And it took time for people around us to say, oh, okay, Julie's actually doing something different. I want to follow. I want to see what she's doing. I had people that I graduated high school with that I haven't talked to in years reach out to me when they saw my transition from the medical field to real estate because I did something that a lot of them have been probably wanting to do or thinking about doing. People that I haven't talked to in years reaching out. That's the power. That's the impact you can have. And now some of them are taking their steps forward into their industries, careers, real estate, new business ventures, whatever it is, just because they saw somebody else do it. 
And that's really the power and impact you can have as a business owner. It's not just growing a successful business, but it's inspiring and motivating all those that are watching you. Listen, they're not the ones that are liking your post. They're not the ones that are commenting on your post. They're people that are taking a seat back and just observing. They're just watching. And then they'll reach out and say, Hey, Julie, thanks for the stuff you've been putting out. I've actually been watching you and following you for over a year now. I'm like, yes, this is absolutely true. And people are vetting you. They're like, oh, is this just a phase? I don't care who you are. If you're the most committed person, I'm a committed person on things. And it's like, they're still vetting you. They're like, oh yeah, they're just going through something right now. And when they see it and it has to be, it is a year for me, I would say a couple of people after a year. But now that it's going into many years later, it's like, wow. And now people are calling like, oh, hey, can you tell me what you're doing with real estate investing? I think I want to participate in what you're doing in some capacity. Can I invest with you? Now that's happening. And they always say year three is like the sweet spot for that. I felt like it was actually even a little bit after year three for me. I resonate with that. And I agree, Julie. And I think to our listener, that's super important to recognize and understand, right? It takes time. If it just appears to be a phase, no one's going to trust you. No one's going to have confidence in you and your business. So you've got to show, you've got to prove to them, this is what I'm doing. This is who I am. And this is how I could serve you. And that takes time. And that's where a lot of this mindset aspect comes into business because you've got to grind. Those first few years are going to be the hardest you've ever worked. And ideally, you want to hit that year four, five, six, and then you're riding on the momentum. And you've got a team around you and you've got revenue. But those first three to five years, you're going to grind. And so you've got to feel it inside and know that this is the right moves to make. So Julie, we're coming up on time. I knew this interview was going to go quick. I knew it was going to fly by, but I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to connect. So as we start wrapping this up, and before we get to these four final questions that I like to ask every guest... What's next for you and Three Keys Investments? Where are you guys going? Well, we're double downing in the assisted living space right now. It's a space that I really resonated with me forever, but I've always partnered with people who have more experience than me. And that's how I mitigated risk early on. But I still like to partner with people that are, you know, just like a little ahead of me if I'm in a new asset class or a lot ahead of me is even better. And so I've just entered into a really great partnership with my investors and another company to enter into that assisted living facility space. And it's a demographic that really needs a lot of support. There are so many assisted living facilities that are shutting down in the droves at a time where there is an exorbitant and rising need for that type of residence for people. And so it's really exciting for me to say, and it's resonating with so many of my investors to say, okay, we can really help provide for this generation that we respect. Honestly, I'm ecstatic to be at a point where my business, my company is mature enough to be able to safely enter into a much more complicated space. It's more complicated than multifamily because you have real estate and you have an actual business that you're running at the same time. And so just to have the right alliance to be able to support that niche is where we're headed, at least for the next couple of years. That's, I think, where our focus is going to be. Love it. And for those of you that are unfamiliar with assisted living, it's not your traditional nursing home. Assisted living is that in-between. It's for those parents that are unable to 
live on their own, but they need a little bit of help, but they could do 80, 90% of it on their own. And so they'll move into these assisted living homes. Often looks like a regular home. It's just remodeled inside to fit the requirements to be an assisted living. And they have some providers, caretakers there to assist with their daily functions, help with meals, things like that. So incredible thing that Julie and her team are working on and very much needed time. I mean, we have this baby boomer generation coming to this age that they're going to need a little bit more assistance, a little bit more help. So if you're interested in getting involved with Julie and what her and her team are doing, she's going to share her contact information here in just a minute. So Julie, what is one absolute book recommendation for those looking to further scale and develop their millionaire mind? You and I are both readers, so we could probably recommend the genesis for so much of the transformation internally for me was Brendan Burchard's book, High Performance Habits. Highly recommend that if you haven't read it. I think it's on one of his podcasts, like there's a season, maybe season two, it used to be that was, he actually read it, but highly recommend that if you're listening to this podcast, more than likely you are an unidentified high performer and you're going to pick up elements of yourself that you're like, that explains it. You'll probably have a lot of aha moments that will help you see yourself in a new way. And you'll see some of the things that maybe for me, I saw things that I thought were maybe more liabilities that were tremendous assets to who I am and how I go about living. Love it. So Julie, what has been one of your favorite quotes that you've embodied and lived by? I might totally butcher it, but Einstein has a quote, you never fail until you stop trying. And I love that definition of failure because as long as we are moving and we're not quitting, then we have not failed. Learn from every situation, good or bad. So Julie, if there was one thing that you could share with fellow business owners that are beginning or simply trying to get to that next level, what would it be? Take the next step. Don't think about 20 million steps ahead. Whatever you think that's going to look like now, it's going to look totally different. So don't stress about anything. Just say, what step do I need to take today? What's the one, two, or three steps that I'm going to take and just focus on one, two, three here's my list. Here's my projections for the next 10 years and all that. Have a greater vision, but on the day-to-day focus on, Hey, this is all I need to get done today. I can manage that's comfortable or maybe it's uncomfortable, but when we distill it down to one thing, okay, I really need to focus on these people today or this part of my business. Great. You can do that. It's incremental. It's stacking all of those that leads to your success. Love it. Julie, how can our listeners learn more about getting involved with you with the assisted living or you do some coaching as well, I believe. So how can people find out more information about you and how you can help them? I'll give you the back door. You could go to threekeysinvestments, that's plural.com. And that's the main website. If you want to go the more personal backdoor route that I don't tell anyone about, except on podcasts, you can go to julieholly.com. It's a very personal way to just break into the entire ecosystem and see where you land, but please step onto the calendar. My happiest part of my day is when I get to talk to people that have scheduled time off of podcasts and such, because obviously something's landing with you. And Dallin and I aren't just these voices over here as podcasters, but we're people that I feel comfortable saying this for you too. Like, we're creating this podcast for you to serve you. And we're not trying to be these unattainable voices that you're hearing to encourage and inspire you. We want to support and help you in some capacity. So we want to connect. So it's not an empty invitation. And with Julie extending that invite, she wants to hear from you. So if there's anything that she shared 
that's resonated with you as much as it has with me, reach out to her. And the back door, the secret millionaire mind URL, right, is julieholly.com. Yep. Awesome. Look, this has been an incredible conversation with Julie. And if this is your first time listening, I'm so glad that you tuned in. People have been asking me what my company does. So since I have you here listening to my show, I'll share that with you now. My company partners with busy professionals just like Julie that are looking to experience significant tax savings, have more to invest, and even reinvest their hard-earned capital. And we work with other successful business owners like you by offering them opportunities to invest alongside us in large apartment deals. At Rev, we found that the most successful business owners have a strong desire to give and to serve. And we simply provide the vehicle to enable them to grow and preserve their wealth so they can give up their time and financial success more abundantly and freely. If you've been wanting to get involved in apartment investing, but have been too busy to figure out where or how to start, then you can find out how I could serve you by visiting investwithrev.com and schedule a 15-minute discovery call. And if you're not ready for a call, go on there and see what free resources we have for you to take advantage of. It can be overwhelming vetting the right investment and the right operator, but at Rev, we make apartment investing easy. Julie, again, thank you so much for your time. I'm so glad we had a chance to connect that conference a few weeks back. I'm sure this isn't going to be the last conversation. I know we're going to have many future ones to go, and it's I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> definitely not the last conversation we're going to have. <laughs> awesome. So again, folks, go check out julieholly.com. Schedule a call with her. If you're interested in assisted living, reach out to her and see how you can get involved. And to our listener, remember, you can't have a million dollar dream with a minimum wage work ethic. So go out there and earn your win for today. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Hope you got value from this episode of The Millionaire Mind, a journey into the mindset of successful business owners. If you want to get results, you've got to take the right steps to get there. Dallin hosts a free weekly educational webinar focused on teaching you how to start investing in apartments so you too can experience the benefits of real estate ownership without doing any of the heavy lifting. There you can gain insights, connect with others like you, and ask Dallin all your burning questions about how you can start owning apartments today. Go to themillionairemind.us. That link is in the show notes.